part of us. Well, if you have your Bibles up, open to op- here, open up Luke. I could say this in a minute. <laughs> open your Bibles up to Luke chapter 8 this morning. Praise God. Are you ready? Did you bring them? Yeah. Amen. You need to bring your Bible and make sure I'm not making stuff up. Say this with me. This is my Bible. I live by its truth. I walk in its light. I rest in its promises. I'm empowered by its love. I overcome by the faith produced from receiving this seed sown into my heart. Father, I thank you today for your anointing and your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here. And now I ask you to do what only you can do. Take what is said today and anoint it so it goes beyond our ears into our hearts. And it produces the harvest that it contains through each and every one of our lives. In Jesus' name. Somebody said? Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 8. I want to read these verses. We've been talking about taking the leap of faith. And today I want to challenge you to take the leap of faith into a life of significance. God created nothing to be insignificant. It's amazing when you look at all the creation, you look at everything that people do, and you watch the Discovery Channel, watch uh, all the different, you know, National Geographic Channel, all those things, and they go down in the oceans, and they go to the depth, and you find little things floating around there, and you find out everything has purpose, everything has significance, everything exists for a reason. Amen. So do you. God doesn't create anything without purpose. And uh, but so I have to believe that. And then God wants us to be people of significance to make a difference. Our life matters. Amen. Our life really matters. And so it's so important that we understand that and begin to walk with it. So this morning we're doing this message. And uh, David, if you put that first slide up there first before we go through these scriptures, but put that first one up there. So I just kind of put this together on being we still got the scripture up across there. There we go. Thank you, sir. You're awesome. But it says, Jesus appeared to Paul in Acts chapter 26, and he says this, But arise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of things which I will show you. So Jesus said, I've appeared unto you, Paul, to make you a minister and a witness of the things that I've shown you and the things that you will be shown. Jesus said in John 15, we talked about the last few weeks, verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain for whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Amen? And so in that, we have to choose to have a life of significance because God determined that we would be people of significance. So I want you to watch what happens when we come in contact with the Lord. Luke chapter 8 and beginning in uh, verse 26. Luke chapter 8 beginning in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he stepped out on the land, there met him a certain man from the city who had demons for a long time. So I'm going to say a long time. And he wore no clothes, nor did he have live in a house, but in the tomb. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you? Jesus, Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. How many know that's not the man, but that's the demon in the man speaking through him? I was like reading this verse because people say, Well, I'm just uncomfortable praying in tongues because the Holy Spirit's speaking through me. I bet you'd be more uncomfortable right now if a demon started peeking through the person next to you. <laughs> Amen. But what it says is, is that you were created by God to contain spirit. 
God formed you and made you to contain spirit. And because you're created to contain spirit, then when God puts his spirit in you, spirit has a voice. And the difference between the Holy Spirit and the demonic spirit is demonic spirits are controlling spirit, but the Holy Spirit is a peaceful spirit. And you have to yield to him. He will never make you do anything. You have to agree with him and allow him to work through your life. So that's a little side note there, but watch the rest of this. And so there he is. And, uh, and so this demon is speaking to Jesus, a demon using a man's voice to talk. A demon using a man's voice to talk. A demon spirit in a man using a man's voice to talk. So what's so weird about the Holy Spirit using your voice to talk? Anyway, moving right along. Verse 29. For he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had often seized him, and he was kept under guard, bound with chains. Somebody say bound. So he's bound with chains and shackles, and he broke the bonds and was driven by the demon into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he, the demon, said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. And they begged him that he would not command them to go out into the abyss. Now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the multitude, and they begged him that he would permit, him, permit them to enter them and Excuse me, and he permitted them. And the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. And when those who fed them saw what had happened, they fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what had happened and came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had departed. Now watch this. Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. I love it. And they were afraid. That always blows my mind. Here's a guy now no longer naked, no longer crazy, no longer breaking chains and running around doing crazy stuff, but just there in his right mind, and that freaks him out. Verse 36. They also who had seen it told them by whom, by what means he who had been demon-possessed was healed or delivered. Then the whole multitude of the surrounding region of the gathering asked him to depart. From them, for they were seized with great fear. Get out of here. Quit setting people free from demonic influence. <laughs> and he got into the boat and returned. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him, begged Jesus, that he might be with them. But Jesus sent him away. How many know Jesus healed you? You just want to hang out with him. But watch what he does. He sends him away. And I'm, I'm talking about having a life of significance. So watch what happens. He sends him away saying, return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. Now look at verse 40. So now this whole region that sent him away. So verse 40 says, So it was when Jesus returned, the next time Jesus came back, the parallel scriptures is Mark chapter 6. It's there in your outline. But when Jesus came back, watch it, that the multitude didn't run him away. They welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. So they ran out of ignorance. They ran Jesus away. But after this man agreed with the Lord and chose to make the decision to tell what great things God had done. Look at He became, he went from being demon-possessed, naked, tormented, all that for all these years to becoming a man of significance. 
and influenced a whole region to no longer reject Christ, but to be eagerly looking and expecting and waiting for the next time he came their way and receive what he had for them. So look at your outline with me this morning. What if there was a way for you to do more with your life? What if you found out that you actually have enough in your hand right now to live a life of significance? What if there was a fail-proof way to secure your life, your money, your time from the devil and his devices to destroy them? The enemy comes to seek, to kill, and destroy. So how do we devil-proof our life? The only way to devil-proof your life is to live for something greater than yourself and to keep your focus on someone other than yourself. Somebody just say this with, get over yourself. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you're concerned about yourself, that you make yourself a prey for the enemy. But when you move past being concerned about yourself and being concerned about others and concerned about the kingdom of God, you begin living for something greater than yourself. Because hear me, every temptation the devil brings is connected to you thinking about you. I wish I had this. I wish I had that. I don't like that. You know, I wish I was with him. I wish I was with her. I wish I was. Every temptation is connected to you thinking about what you would rather have, what you don't have. And then you're drawn away by that. James chapter 1 says that no man say when he's tempted by God, that when he's tempted, he is tempted by God. Because God could not tempt anybody. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust and enticed. And then when lust is fully conceived and fully developed, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived. Amen? And and so the devil knows that. If he can get you thinking about you, get you focused on you, well, I don't have enough. And just everything about that leads to a place where you give him influence and direction in your life. The devil is the master of confinement, restriction in our life. He knows full well that God has purpose for every life, and that purpose is connected to destroying his influence and reigning the earth. You're a person of significance for destroying the works of the devil. When you start thinking about somebody else besides you, God uses you to set captives free. And the devil knows that. So he wants you consumed with you. He wants you consumed with you. But if he can get you past you and declaring and living for somebody else, great things begin to happen. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to set captives free, and to release us to our purpose and potential in him. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose, just like Acts there, for this purpose the Son of Man was made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Acts 10, 38, you know how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about healing all all who were oppressed of the devil. So when Jesus was ministering, he loved in setting people free and breaking the devil's control off of their life. God has that same commission and that same purpose and assignment for every one of our lives. It's so exciting. So look inside. What if we were willing to start a new trend? What if like Jesus, we didn't wait, but we moved? God is waiting for us to move and we are waiting for him to move. Well, as soon as God moves and shows me what to do, no, that isn't how it works. I stole this from another pastor. This was probably 15 years ago when I first heard this, and, and I've never let go of it, because he taught a message on, on the school of divine guidance. And so I kept the two principles, and these are two thoughts on divine guidance. Number one is this. As soon as God gives me direction, I will move.
That's like sitting in your car with the engine off saying, I don't know why I can't turn the wheel. It's, it's like practicing steering. You, you, your steering wheel is no good until you're moving. Amen. You, you, you can put in the GPS in your phone and put it on there. It used to be you had a fancy car if it had GPS in your dashboard. Now everybody had GPS on their phone anyway. So now you got a fancy car when you get in it. Amen. But anyway, so but you can put in a destination GPS and put it up there and look at But it does you no good until you move. It, it gives you no instruction until you move. It, it tells you the first, it, it may say, you, okay, go and turn left or do this. But after that, it's not telling you anything until you're moving. And as you're moving, it gives you the next step and the next step and the next step. That's divine guidance. We move. The second thought is, as soon as you move, God will give you direction. We have no need for direction until we are moving. So the question is, what is in your hand now? You have no need for provision for more until I'm using what I have now. What is the need in front of you right now? You see, God directs our step, but we must take them. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. We think, oh God. No, he, he shows it. He directs. But you and I are the one who take the steps. Doing all right? So I have to take the step. So slide number one, if you guys would put it up that next slide, David. I love this. French and Chad says this. He says, God, interrupt what we are doing so that we can join you in what you are doing. We get so busy and we miss out on God's purpose for our life and living a life is significant. We need to allow God to interrupt what we're doing. So we can join him in what he is doing. See, it's past time for us to be free and in our right minds. I, I love that statement about the man at the tomb, that there he was free and in his right mind. Somebody just say, it's time. I was going to tell you, look at your neighbor and tell him it's time for them to be in their right mind, but I won't do that. <laughs> so what? <laughs> Some of you are going, man, I wish you would Anyway. <laughs> So Jesus comes, look at Jesus comes to meet us where we are. And what does he do? He breaks a yoke of bondage off of our lives and sends us out to fulfill our God-ordained purpose. I, I wrote this in my notes. I was driving up just meditating on the message this morning. So I had to do a voice memo to myself. And, and this is what the Lord gave me. You were created. Somebody needs to hear this this morning. You were created to reflect God's glory. Every one of you needs to hear that. You were created to reflect God's glory. There's something in you placed there by God that brings glory to Him. All of creation declares the glory of God. And you're part of His creation. You need to know that God created you to be a reflection of His glory in the earth. Everything God has created is to reflect and to reveal His glory. You are unique and of greater value than you can imagine. Can you see this man at the tombs of Gadara? What value do you think he would have after sitting there, after being demon-possessed all these years, after never having any productivity connected to his life, just being in bondage, and now that he's clothed in his right mind... And Jesus says, go back and tell everybody what great things he did. He never would have thought that he could have influenced a region. For the kingdom of God. So your purpose. Now watch, you need to hear this. When God creates you and reflects his glory, what God does through our life and what he wants to do has eternal impact. 
He says, I want to use you in such a way that what I produce for your life won't just last your lifetime. It will carry over and have eternity connected to it. Every person you reach for Christ is an eternal reward. It's an eternal increase. Every soul, every person's life is stamped with eternity. And God says, I want to use you, and I need to flow through you. And when I do, the, the, the byproduct of that is that you're creating kingdom eternal increase. Glory to God. Amen. So the man at the tombs was in a place of restriction. His life was out of his control. Too many are living there today. Some of you feel restricted. You feel like you don't have any control. I just want to declare to you, God can break that off your life in a moment this morning. He's here to set you free. It's too easy for us today to overlook the controlling influence of the enemy that keeps us confined and living in the tombs of this world. The devil is the master of deception, discouragement, disillusionment, and despair. He keeps people bound by their past, lost in their present, and cut off from their future. That's his number one tool. He reminds you of your failure. I'm sure this young man had the devil tell him, who do you think you are to talk about the goodness of God? You used to run naked. You used to torment people. You used to break out. You used to be this crazy, wild man. Who do you think you are to talk about the good things of God? How many know you have to press past that? Amen. So think about it. Jesus comes to the place where we are being held in bondage. He meets us at the point of our need. He brings deliverance and healing and restoration to our lives. That's here for you today, my friend. He does a complete work that is evident and can be seen in others. He delivers us, heals us, restores us, and he sends us. I'm going to tell you today, I'll give you the secret. You can be delivered, you can be healed, and you can be restored. But until you allow yourself to be sent, it's hard to walk in the fullness of what you've received from God. The fullness of that. What, what seals it, what settles it. Wait a minute, I have to go. I'm sent to tell somebody, to, to share, and to give this good news to somebody else. Think about it. Is it possible that a person can be so transformed by the saving grace of God that he can have an influence on an entire region just like this man did? What's the answer? Yes, amen. So here's my question. What if, what if, guys, if we lost the pride and excuses and just came and fell at his feet and worshiped him? I think about it sometimes, and I think sometimes we miss it. I really am. I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm almost fully convinced I'm going to do this. I'm going to put altar benches back in our church. We've lost the place of presenting ourselves as a kneeling, I, I mean as a living sacrifice before God, and we've learned to come and stand in his presence and wait for somebody else to give God to us instead of just pouring our lives out before him. That's just something been stirring in my heart. So we'll see what happens. How the Lord leads us in that. But, but in that area, there's something. And, and, and I get where we're singing these songs. And just, look, we sing it. In the, here I am on my knees again. And we never go on our knees. We sing songs about being on our knees, about surrendering, falling before God. And nobody ever goes on their knees before God. Just kind of throwing that out there for you to see law, positively calm and meditate. Think about it. Amen. To watch it. We lost the pride. If we lose the pride and excuse and just came and fell at his feet and worshiped him. We were no longer bought. We, we no longer bought into the acceptable limitations 
that the devil has sown into the church? What if we lost the accept? Well, let me ask you, what are the acceptable limitations for a Christian to live by? What are your acceptable? Every, every, I don't mean to be personal. Every one of us in this room has limitations and excuses for not seeing the fullness of God's word manifest in our life. That's part of what we're going through with the men on Monday night about the Holy Spirit. You, you, you were created to contain God. How much of God is in you? God is spirit. God cannot give you a piece. God, God doesn't chop himself up into pieces. He, do, he doesn't give you a little bit. Tim doesn't have more than Mike. John doesn't have more than Donnie. It, it doesn't matter who. Everybody gets the same amount of God. If you have God, you have all of God. In you. Well, I know, Pastor, but you know. All right, those are your limitations. The but you know are all your limitations. So that's why I'm at. What if we move past the acceptable limitations? What if we just let go of that? What if we allowed Christ to so transform our lives that it became evident to those around us? What if when you invited somebody to church, they didn't say, oh, you're a Christian? (laughs) Amen. Verse 4, I mean number 4. What if we found the courage and the boldness to leave the tombs and begin to tell others what Christ has done for us? It just takes courage. When was the last time you told somebody what great things God has done? There's somebody who needs to hear. Come on. The, the world has done a good job of blackballing and, 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 and just smearing the name of Christ. Amen. What if we just started bragging on him again? Amen. Let me tell you how good God is in my life. I mean, and you hear me say it, and I still say it when I go to store. People say, how are you doing? I say, man, I'm doing great. I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven, and I'm having fun in the meantime. That's the best. You, you steal that, please. Steal that. And when next time you go there, next time you check out at any line, I don't care where you at, just say that to the person that's checking you out. Oh, how you doing today? You want to know? I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm on my way to heaven, having fun in the meantime. How you doing? You know what you just did? You just witnessed the wonderful works of God. You said, man, let me tell you something. I was a mess. I was lost as a goose in a snowstorm. I couldn't find my butt with both hands. Now I'm saved from myself. Filled with the Holy Ghost of God lives on the inside of me. Really? Yeah. The first time I did, you've heard me tell, the first time I did that, I was at Bel Air Market. I'm coming through, and the guy asked me that. And as I'm walking away, the lady came behind me and pushed her card up there. He asked her, how are you doing? And I'm like three, I'm just like walking away from the thing. And he goes, hey, she's not going. (laughs) 
coolest thing ever. Amen. <laughs> that was awesome. But there, there's, being a witness for God is so easy. Think about it. Hear me this morning. The one who lifts the burdens and destroys the yoke is right here in this house today. God wants to set you free, my friend. Our neighbors are desperate and need the love of the love and helping hand, his love and helping hand. It's my belief that the world needs God's love and we're sent to tell them. The world needs God's love and we're sent to tell them. You see, you were created for something great, not to live in the tombs of this world yoked with the bondage of the devil's lies. Jesus came and identified with our brokenness, our wounds, and afflictions that he might heal and restore us to real life and then send us to tell others. What great things he has done for us. You see, we're to reach and to tell the unreached people groups right where we are. Pastor Tim and I are talking about we're taking a perspective class on Tuesday night at Green Valley there. It's a good class. We're enjoying ourselves in that. But they keep telling us about all the unreached people groups around the world. 17,000 people groups within all the nations, out of all the 200 nations or so. But within those nations and all the language groups and breakup and everything, about 17,000 people groups. And then how many unreached people groups? And I start thinking, I wonder how many unreached people groups are right here in El Dorado County. And so, if, if we're, listen, if we're not sent there, then we are definitely sent here. And there are people groups all around us. If we would just begin to tell them what great things God has done for us. Show me slide number three. The next slide, guys. Success is not being normal. Success is being crucified. See, to be crucified means to die to myself. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And as Christians, we make that choice. I'm going to live a crucified life where I'm no longer just focusing on myself, but I'm focusing on the one that raised me from the death that I was in in myself, and now I'm living a new life in him, and I have a story to tell somebody. Amen? You see, the Apostle Paul at the end of his life wrote this, I finished my course to Timothy. Having said that, he handed the ministry over to Timothy, walked to the executioner's block, and was thereby relieved of his duties and promoted to his reward in heaven. Yet his impact now is greater than ever. Paul's writings and his epistles have been being preached for over 2,000 years. And the church, how many churches and how many lives have been transformed by the lasting impact of him choosing to live a life of significance for God. What God's trying to get you to see is you were created for his glory. You were created to bring him glory. And when you say yes to being a man or a woman of significance, then what God does in your life while you're alive has lasting impact beyond your imagination. Amen. See, Ephesians 1 and verse 12 says this in the Message Bible. He has designs on us for glorious living. Wow. What kind of living is that? I believe it's living with impact, not just making a living. And say, well, I, I want to make a good living for myself. Think about that. How small is that? I just want to make a good living for myself and my family. I mean, anytime our, our, our vision is sin, it, it goes no farther than my, my, after, my, anything after mine. My family, my life, my this, my that, my this. Then, then, then that's a factor of one. I don't want to live by a factor of one. I want to live by a factor of multiplication, of increase. Could you shout amen this morning? Amen. Think about it. God has given you a gift, 
Believe it, discover it, develop it, cherish it, use it, and give it away. That's glorious living and a life of significance. Your life was designed by God to make a difference and to produce kingdom increase. Show me that next slide, David. Watch this. You may feel insignificant, but you can choose to live significantly by living the way God has commanded. Look what the Lord said to that young man. You can't come with me. Go home and tell everybody. Go back to your house. Tell everybody what great things God has done. And what he did. He changed his life from feeling insignificant by following that command of the Lord. That directive from God. And just telling people about it. People go, well, I don't know what to say. What has he done for you? Come on, if you've been saved more than 30 minutes and you got nothing to brag on God about, come on up here. You need another dose. <laughs> come on. God's done something in your life. He's done something for you. And when you just share that with somebody, let me tell you what God, could I tell you? Just like when I have people say, well, I don't believe in healing. I said, you're too late. I said, I got a brown spot right here and maybe a little spot right here from where I had third degree burns on my arm and on my bicep from sliding down a telephone pole, working for a cable company, going to Bible school. And, and I go in to get surgery for skin graft. And the doctor said, you don't have to have them. You have new skin growing on your arm because the preacher at church laid hands on my arm and said, Father, I thank you. You heal these arms in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I didn't feel anything. I, thought, I, I didn't feel that my arm's throbbing. And I didn't realize until they took the bandages off. And I didn't worry about it. And I'm in there. And, but they said, you got new skin growing on. So I tell people, well, you're too late. God's already grown new skin on my life. Amen. Amen. Then I tell them, hey, I have bubonic plague. I'm still here. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. You got something. God will give you something to brag about. Amen. Everybody afraid, everybody's afraid of coronavirus. I've had the black death. <laughs> Amen. Now watch that. You, you, you know what? When, 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 when the plague was going through Africa, they told John G. Lake, you can't go there because of the plague. And John G. Lake said, well, I, I have life in me, not death. He said, do this. Take some of my blood and put it on a tray. And then take, take some infected blood and, and put it into my blood. And watch it under, and they watch it, and the cells in his blood attack the virus. Well, well I, I, I don't know. Okay, that's your acceptable limitation. What are your acceptable limitations? What's the difference between John G. Lake and you? He doubted nothing. Doubted nothing. Took God at his word and doubted nothing. Just like when people say, well, pastor, I'm sick. I said, well, I'll come over and pray for you. No, I don't want you to catch it. I'm not coming to get it. I'm coming to get rid of it. So right away, they're trying to confess sickness onto my life. I'm coming to pray for you to be healed, and you're confessing I'm going to catch it. Kind of hard for us to agree. Yeah. The worship team comes back. Hear me this morning. Too many, even some of you in this room this morning, are stuck in the place of waiting on God to move on your behalf. You're praying, you're believing, but you're waiting. 
Start with being made whole. Start with being healed. Start with realizing that you are clothed with the blood of Christ. And you have the mind of Christ and you're in your right mind. And you're seated with him in heavenly places. You're sitting in his presence. See yourself fully in Christ. Then start walking in the boldness and confidence of the Holy Spirit. And share Christ with others. Tell them what he has done for you. Frustrate, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm going to say it. Frustrate the hell out of the devil. Just frustrate him. The devil wants you to shut up. He wants you to be afraid. He wants you to be intimidated. Just go ahead and declare the goodness of God. Refuse to be intimidated by his lies any longer. This is the truth. You're already fully equipped and supplied by God through the Holy Spirit to make a difference in the world right now. Everyone, if you're born again, you're fully equipped by God to make a difference. Why? This is what I do. When I read that account, Luke chapter 8, this is before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. This man wasn't anointed like you and I can be today with the Holy Ghost in power. The Holy Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. This man just went declaring the goodness of God. The delivering power of God in his life. Amen. In Christ, you've been set free from being bound by your past, from being lost in your present, and from being robbed of your future. You see, he went his way and proclaimed through the whole city what Jesus had done. And they welcomed Jesus when he returned and were waiting for him. So how do we begin to move? What's our first step? Everybody look up here with me. It'd be so tough. This would be hard. It'd be super hard. But I'm confident you could do it. Just tell one person. Just tell one person what great things God has done for you. This week, say, Lord, lead me to one person that I could tell them how good you've been to me. How many could raise your hand and say, I have a testimony that Jesus saved me. How many could raise the other hand and say, I have a testimony that Jesus has healed me, provided me, answered a prayer, come through, I believe it. Look at it, look at it. <laughs> so you have, you have something to tell somebody. So you got to, you don't have to, you don't have to remember. This guy, Jesus didn't say go home and go to Bible school. Go get a degree, go to cemetery, I mean, go to seminary. <laughs> he didn't say, go memorize the Koran. I mean, not the Koran. Go, go, <laughs> go memorize the law and all that. He didn't, he didn't tell them to go memorize scriptures. He just said, go tell them what great things God has done for you. And that's all he did. He didn't quote scriptures to him. He, he didn't argue over issues or culture issues of the day. He just says, I, I, I always love thinking about this guy. If it was me, I would have done it like this. Clothed and in my right mind. Some of you, that's debatable, I know. But I would walk up to people and I'd go, hey, did you ever hear about that guy? 
that lived up there in the tombs and stuff, and he ran around naked, was crazy, and he'd get wild, and they'd try to chain him up and do all that stuff and everything. People go, yeah, I wonder what happened to him. Amen. That's what I do at my high school reunions. Amen. How many had senior skip days? Remember those? You know, we did. We rode go-karts through the halls of our school for our senior skip days. We were out of control. And so now I go back and they go, you're a pastor. I go. They go, God must be God. Amen. Try it. Just tell one person. And then just tell one more. What would happen if you just started telling people? Watch this. I'll tell you the secret. If you'll start telling one, God, are you ready? If you'll start telling someone that's not connected to your little prayer circle of who you want God to save, God will send someone to tell them. Are you listening to me? If you will let God send you to who He needs you to tell, He will send someone to those you want to know. Are you hearing me? Because you reap what you... We don't tell anybody because our focus is on our family. The majority of prayer requests are, pray for my kids, pray for this person, pray for that person. For our, those immediately connected to, my, pray for those that are connected to my life. And then because those aren't getting connected to my those connected to my life I'm not seeing them get saved I'm getting discouraged with God not answering my prayers the way to be a person of significance is to live for something greater than yourself I live by this God I will live my life for your glory and I trust you because I'm doing your will you will fulfill the desires of my heart. My heart is for my children to be saved, my family to be saved, and I'm securing that because I have a covenant with you, and you swore to me in covenant that my household will be saved, so I stand under covenant provision, and I'm released to tell others about you. I don't have to worry. I just thank you. My kids are saved, my family's saved, my grandkids will be saved. My obedience covers them. How you doing all right? Stand with me this morning. So as we approach Easter and Resurrection Sunday, let's purpose to reach out and invite someone to come to church. Let's believe God together for souls to be saved, added to the kingdom, allowing the Lord to use us in reaping the harvest. Bow your heads with me this morning.
I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but if you're tired, just bow your heads right where you are. If you're tired of being bound by your past, restricted in your future, and cut off from your present, if you're tired of the limitations and the restrictions of the devil, if you really want breakthrough in your life, if you're ready to say, God, I want to be a person of significance, I want to move forward with you, then while everybody else's heads bowed and eyes are closed and nobody's looking around, open your eyes and walk up here right now. Move right now. Move right now. School of divine guidance. When you move, he moves. Why do I ask you to come to altar? Because when you move, God moves. Well, God, I'll stand right here. And if you'll move me, I'll go. No, God says, I tell you what to do. You move. And then, and I move with you. When we begin to move, he moves. When we begin to move, he moves. When we says yes, he releases provision. When we take those steps, he releases and opens the door. He makes it clear one step after the next. He directs our path one step after the other.